Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. So Salesforce is the only thing I'm good at. Like I'm a bad parent. I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. That's so funny. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I think I'm quite funny and I'm very straightforward. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. The only non-renewable resource that you possess is your time, and we are grateful that you're investing in the next hour of your life with us. Wherever you are, I recognize you could be doing anything. So while you are here, listen in, take notes, and give us feedback. Let us know how we're doing. LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you like to contribute, or if you just want to hit the like and subscribe button right there in your podcast player because you're new here and you've gotten a ton of value out of this episode. I thank you for taking the time and giving us a chance to earn your attention. Today's entrepreneur is someone I've had the pleasure to get to know recently through the context of exploring how software can serve and also in sometimes be the bane of our existence, how she works over the past several decades helping businesses improve their business operations and processes using a little piece of software maybe you've heard of called Salesforce. Geraldine Gray is the CEO and founder of Endium. You're going to hear what that company is all about today as well. And I would encourage you to stick around to the very end because this decades-long Salesforce MVP is going to share her top three app exchange secret weapons. Of course, we'll discuss the Salesforce platform and how solar businesses can get ROI from that platform. And of course, if you like what you hear, I'd love it if you subscribe to the show as that's going to ensure that you won't miss our twice weekly content just like this. Of course, you can always check out the nearly 350 additional founder stories and startup advice at mysuncast.com. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. If you are like me, you've no doubt spent countless hours either tapping data into or trying to extract some sense of logic out of what we refer to as a customer relationship management system or CRM. Perhaps you're using Pipedrive or Copper or HubSpot, but I bet a large majority of you are using Salesforce. I think in probably 75% of the companies that I've been involved in in the solar industry, for whatever reason, they have migrated to Salesforce as not only their CRM, but also the tool that they use eventually to integrate more and more of their ERP, enterprise resource planning, quoting, et cetera. Lots of different tools that can tie into this behemoth that we're all familiar with. So I thought I'd bring in someone today who is an absolute expert at the topic and ask all the questions that you'd ask of a Salesforce expert to alleviate your concerns. Geraldine, welcome to Suncast. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Nico. I am intrigued by something that I didn't know existed, this idea of a Salesforce MVP. 
you've been an MVP for 10 years. I understand that you are one of kind of this inside ninja group of MVPs. Can you explain what it means to be a Salesforce MVP and where this whole idea came from to begin with? Yeah. So MVPs have been around for maybe 11, perhaps 12 years now. Um, I forget. I've been in it for so long. It's a pretty exclusive club within an exclusive club of folks that are very knowledgeable on the platform. It began as a way to say thank you for sharing your community experiences with other people who wanted to learn about Salesforce. And so in the first few seasons of MVP nominees, it was very much focused on people who are absolute experts in the platform and also share their knowledge. It's expanded a little bit more now because there's a lot of people who perhaps run user groups or they have some specialty niche groups that they're, that they're leading for the community and encouraging people to participate. They might be doing training courses um, all based on their own time. So they're volunteering their time to do this stuff. Being part of the MVP program is pretty special. And I think there's still maybe, I don't know, 150 or so folks around the world that are in that. MVP. You know, one of the things I didn't realize when I started trying to help clients adopt their business processes, swim lanes, drawing all the maps out, user uh, stories, et cetera, into a CRM was there's this whole culture of consulting around because Salesforce is sort of the behemoth that has a many, many angles you can take. There's a whole subculture of consultants who help companies with their Salesforce consulting. How many roughly Salesforce consultants in the world, if you had to take a heuristic, do you think there are? A couple of hundred thousand. A couple of hundred thousand? I would That's imagine. Like, okay. <laughs> now I feel like I'm really in the minority of the tiny of the tiny, but yeah, that's probably a couple of hundred thousand. That's amazing. So like Dreamforce in San Jose is bringing, you know, 20, 30% of those into the town, right? Yeah. There's, there's usually between 70 and a hundred thousand people that go to Dreamforce. And so this MVP crew, you say, is somewhere around 150 in the world. What does a client really get with an MVP that maybe they wouldn't get with a general consultant? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think it probably depends on who it is that they're hiring. So as I say, some MVPs are known for being absolute experts in the field of Salesforce. Some MVPs are known for their community contributions. So depending on the consultancy that you're working with, you're going to get a, a different level of, of knowledge that comes with it. But generally, if you're getting an MVP who's known for their expertise, as well as their community participation, somebody who's probably got five to 10 years experience with working with Salesforce hands-on, they really know their stuff and they are passionate about the platform. And then I'd say, if you layer onto another angle of that is that when you add on the consulting skills, they should be able to help the customer work with their processes, work with their other technologies, because Salesforce is not their only tool. And they should also be able to guide the customer to build something that's going to scale over a long time. As I recall, as you know, over the decade plus that you've been an MVP and you've been working in Salesforce, you weren't always independent with Indium. You were a part of sort of an elite A team at another company. How common is it that a company like yours or the previous firm that you were with would have more than one MVP on staff? It's not very common. So the company I worked with, um, I used to work at Aperio. They're a big Salesforce partner back in the day. I was one of the early folks. And I think we had uh, 10 Salesforce MVPs that worked there. That was a big number, right? So 10 out of what was literally less than 100 at the time. Over time, that company has changed and everybody's moved on in their careers. A lot of people moved on in their careers. The folks that have moved on in their careers, some of them have started their own Salesforce shops. So now you've got MVPs who came out of a period that are really, really experienced who are actually running their own Salesforce consulting partners. 
So I'm very lucky that at Indium we've got three MVPs who work here every day of the week. And sometimes I find myself looking around and wondering when they're going to uncover that I'm not so smart. They're much cleverer than me, I have to say. But I'm better at other things. There's some things I'm better at. I'm, I'm also funnier and better looking, I think. But um, they're really, really, really clever. Well, look, so most folks, no doubt listening here, have worked in Salesforce in some capacity. I would give it a 90% chance in the solar industry in particular. And they've almost certainly built their own opinion, opinions around CRM. But I think that most of my audience in the sales and marketing side of the business would argue in some capacity CRM is broken. I ask what may seem like a base level question, but why does it seem like Salesforce or SFDC, as we sometimes call it, is the default CRM for so many companies? So that's a good question. I guess because there's that nobody ever got fired for choosing X scenario and people won't get fired for choosing Salesforce, right? So there's some really big consulting companies where people use that same reference for, but it looks good for the investors. It looks good for the users. You know, when you buy Salesforce that you can absolutely scale your business um, in terms of users, but also in terms of complexity and it will last the test of time. So it's, this is not a piece of software you buy for a two or three year investment. This is a piece of software you're going to be on for 10, 12, 15 years, you know, along, along the line. It's not going to go out of business. It's unlikely to get sold. And it can basically do anything you want. And you can connect almost any piece of data to almost anything in Salesforce. Now, whether you should make it do anything you want and whether it should connect every single piece of data from all of your multiple sources is a different story, but it can do those things. And so because of the ability to expand and the ability to grow and the ability to scale your solutions, it makes it a really obvious choice. And even this discussion, it's hard to navigate exactly what is going to be appealing for every listener that stumbles across this podcast because Salesforce, by its very nature, caters towards a certain type of business. Of course, they've spent a lot of money catering to small business in the last few years. Uh, but do you see any common threads among the customers that come to Endium to, I'll say, to have you help them work through their Salesforce implementation? Yeah. So there's there's some common things we hear all the time. So 90% of our business is referral, which is great and terrible at the same time. The great thing is we never have to go looking for work. The terrible thing is that our reputation precedes us. So we better bring our white glove service every single time or you're going to get found out. But our customers typically say they have Salesforce, it doesn't work. They have Salesforce, they know it could do more or they have Salesforce, but they've got a problem with adoption and people aren't really using it. Geraldine, one of the things that I found is a lot of folks look at Salesforce and it's in a world where you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail you know you need a CRM. Nobody got fired for choosing Blue, right? Or in this case, Salesforce. There are folks who really need a simple out-of-the-box solution and there are folks who need a complex solution. You used a term that I thought was funny, shake and bake, right? The dinners that you just shake in a bag and then throw on the stovetop. And that represents a healthy, I would say a healthy category of small businesses. So could you help me distinguish between the type of firm that really does leverage Salesforce well and the type of firm that maybe doesn't? get the most value out of it? Let's say you have five to 10 users and you're a smaller business. You don't want to spend a ton of money on Salesforce. And we'll absolutely talk about how much your projects um, may or may not cost. But you have a very straightforward one-way process. Your use cases are well-documented. Your sales process is pretty straightforward and agreed upon and templatized and something that can be 
fairly well automated. And then you want to hook into a couple of um, simple apps such as maybe MailChimp or you've got some data in uh, QuickBooks, for example. Then I think you could do a good job with a solo consultant. Now, if you are more complex, your business has been in place for several years, or you've got a significant startup capital to get you going, and you have complex customer requirements, your use cases go from taking that lead through marketing, through sales, quoting, customer onboarding, service, and managing the asset or managing the customer post delivery. And you're going to have integrations with perhaps other legacy systems, maybe your ERP or your billing system, or your it might be NetSuite, it might be Siebel, it might be SAP. And you've got multiple users with different needs, so different business entities. That's when you would call in a consulting service. Geraldine, to that end, what is the number one headache when it comes to how people currently use CRM or Salesforce specifically from your vantage point? Probably the number one challenge they have is they know it can do more, but they don't know how to get there. Folks hear this phrase, digital transformation. And you know what that really means is taking your manual processes and Salesforceifying or some other toolifying them. But it might also be that their processes are outdated. They don't match their current customer needs. They're inefficient. They're inconsistent. They're recognizing that this has some revenue leakage um, and sometimes unhappy customers. And that's when they realize, okay, it does this stuff, but it could do so much more. Otherwise, what you end up with is Salesforce just being a really expensive address book with decaying or duplicate data. And folks still doing a ton of work out of spreadsheets that get sent halfway around the building and halfway around the country and up and down and back again. Um, And nobody really knows which one is the the source of truth without good integrations and without a tool that matches your business process. So you have a lot of people trying to patch things together with bits of string and chewing gum and post-it notes and notebooks and yellow pages and yellow pads. That's when we know that, that Salesforce needs to be fixed. And that's when our customers know that Salesforce needs to be fixed. It could do more and it doesn't. Do you have any particular success stories that you could share? And in particular in the energy or clean tech industry, if that is relevant around how you have helped separate the wheat from the chaff or a customer? Yeah. So um, we have a little bit of a reputation for coming in after the big consultancies have been there. And perhaps we will inherit, this is multiple times the sum to us, we'll inherit a million dollar professional services project that hasn't worked. Okay. Nobody wants to talk about the project that didn't work. Nobody wants to wear the project that did work. And if you hire a company to spend and you spend a million dollars on Salesforce professional services, you should get exactly what you want and you should get something that really works and, and really works for your business. And so oftentimes we'll find that the partners are trying to cram everything into one massive project. Whereas what we can do with the customer is break it down into smaller chunks and break it down into shorter use cases. So they get some ROI on the product and ROI on their services right away. We do a lot of work with NG. We've also worked with Fast Track and Sonova and other similar energy companies. What we find is that when you tackle some of the smaller problems in smaller chunks, you'll have a lot more success and you'll have a lot more buy-in from the users because they see every two or four weeks, they see the benefits of what's being built for them rather than waiting for 18 months and spending a million dollars on a project that struggles to go live. How much does the customer's general ability at a team level, an organizational level to keep up with your team or with the project's progress limit your ability to actually roll out a product or give them advice? Well, I will say that customers can never keep up. 
<laughs> we're, always, we're always running ahead of them. So we have to recognize that, you know, when you hire a Salesforce consultant and you're the CIO, it is not your job to be worrying about your Salesforce project. You should be able to trust your partner and just hand it off and, ha- and have them you know, run your Salesforce project for you. They should be smooth and implementation should be easy if you have that, that level of trust. You've said a couple of times here, breaking it down, and I, I hark back to a conversation I recall where it was painfully small chunks of work oftentimes. And it seems to me like breaking projects down into smaller chunks is really the key to success, which for me feels almost overly simplistic. It's it, it's almost the, well, if it's just breaking projects down into smaller chunks, why can't a company do that? So, so why is it still so hard for folks to really implement uh, specifically CRM? I think it's because they get on a sugar high of all things Salesforce, all things CRM, and they are sold or buy a vision of everything that's possible. And yet everything is possible, but you still need to break it down into small chunks, right? So um, for example, customers might buy Marketing Cloud or any cloud. They've put a lot of money into buying the licenses and they want to get use cases and they want to get use out of it. But if they try to eat the whole candy factory at once, right, they're going to be sick. And also when that sugar high finishes, you're kind of left feeling a bit deflated. Whereas if you break your project into smaller chunks, you can continue getting your uh, your mainstream users and your mainstream use cases solved. I have a sense that several listening have had the scenario where they don't go hire an external consultant because they aren't sure what to look for in a good implementation team. Could you help give a few filters? This is what we do. We get a lot of secondhand projects where the customers, you know, spent a million dollars and their Salesforce doesn't work. Or this morning I was talking to a customer who had spent $200,000 and they had one page layout and four fields and they had no understanding of how they were going to get to the end of their Salesforce roadmap. When we dug into the challenge, we realized they actually didn't have a Salesforce roadmap, right? They had a vision. They have a, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to service my customers using Salesforce, but they didn't have a roadmap of how they were going to get there. So we've done a couple of very short working sessions with them. And today we came out with our first really solid use case that says, okay, well, customers are going to be able to go to a community and they're going to be able to fill in a form that's going to create a case and the team in the background is going to help solve that problem for that customer. They had never gotten to that single use case because they were on the sugar high of everything that's available in Salesforce without thinking, I still need to get to one or two solutions that will become 30 solutions. So if there's other indications of what you're looking for in a partner, I would say somebody that's recommended by other customers, somebody that has experience within your industry, somebody that understands that you really shouldn't have to worry about your Salesforce setup, that there should be um, smooth project management and a lot of trust. You should trust this person. You know, they're managing your data and that you're, you're essentially asking them to help you manage your business. So you should have trust with them. And if you feel like the partner is going to do bait and switch, so they're going to roll out all the experts for that one moment in time, and then, you know, halfway through your project or even a quarter of your project, like, aha, we were just kidding. Now we're going to give you all the level one admins who are going to be doing your work, not the experts who, who architected it. Then that's when you say stop. 
you know there should you shouldn't have to worry about your salesforce project because it is the partner's problem to worry about your project you know it's the time of year where folks start moving around from business to business job to job career transition is at its peak and it's often a time where folks look to someone else to help organize their thoughts and guide their principles i've spent the last 15 years in renewables i've spent the last five years coaching founders and startup executives in this space specifically and for the last year i've been helping folks transition out of oil and gas and other industries into renewables and i've found that there are a few things that are commonalities i'd like to invite you if that sounds like something you're interested in to have a conversation with me about whether or not coaching might be in your future and working with me might be something that would help level up your business or your personal career path you can fill out an application over at mysuncast.com just click on the work with me button in the very top right and everyone who fills out an application i'm going to set up a 15 minute clarity call so i'd invite you to run fill that out if this sounds remotely interesting to you and let's have a chat see if there is in fact a fit i look forward to chatting soon thank you so much for tuning into suncast let me know if i can help you in other ways I would imagine that some cases you, and and certainly some folks here with Salesforce implemented in their business, maybe just need a tune-up. They need an evaluation. What is the evaluation process that you'd walk them through? And and what's some of the low-hanging fruit that you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So we will usually ask the customer, what do you do? How long have you had Salesforce? What hurts? Okay, so let's talk about all the feelings. And then we will ask them questions such as, Do you have a vision of where you want Salesforce to go? Great. There's the big picture. Okay. Now let's talk about the little details that are going to make you drive a successful ongoing Salesforce setup. Can you, you, as in like your SDRs, your VDRs, or your um, account managers, can they run their daily, weekly work out of Salesforce? Do they know when they look at their leads, who do I call today? What does a good lead look like? Do you understand the deal velocity and deal validity? So are deals being scored or are deals being well-managed so that you can spend your time chasing the deals that you're going to get and not worrying about the you know, massive shiny deal in the corner that like you don't even stand a chance because you can't even service the account if you want it anyway. Is it easier to send and sign a quote or using something like DocuSign? Is DocuSign integrated um, inside Salesforce? If your customer has renewals, so if it's a contract for a period of time, do you have a renewal dashboard? And do you automatically create a renewal opportunity when the first deal closes? What happens when you close a deal? Who's going to do your customer onboarding? How does that get handed over? At that point, um, the process almost always falls out of Salesforce, which is so silly because you have all this customer data in Salesforce and then you go take some, you know, date-driven, task-driven activity into a spreadsheet. It's nuts. Um, And then if your customer is going to be serviced post-sale, what does that look like? Because if I'm the account manager who owns that account, I want to be able to look at Salesforce and say, okay, I sold them this product. Um, We did a really good deal. The customer was happy. Everybody, you know, had good buys about the product. We onboarded the customer mm, kind of like pretty well, but maybe could have been smoother because there was some information that got missed or didn't get handed over properly. And now I'm servicing my customer. And when it comes for renewal, I want to make sure that I can see all of the cases or tickets that the customer had, all of the questions they had. If all of that data is in one place, you can really tell what a good customer looks like. And the customer is going to stick with you, right? Whereas if they don't get that feeling of being serviced after the sale, when it's up for renewal, the customer is going to walk and they're going to go somewhere else. 
with all that in mind, you've gone through a thorough discovery process with the client. What typically are some of the challenges you commonly encounter? As I mentioned earlier, the low-hanging fruit that you immediately identify and start to run triage on. Oh, uh, so one of my favorites is that people want to bring their junk drawer to the cloud, right? So they're like, I have this list of 15,000 leads. And then we do the math and we say, okay, well, if you have 15,000 leads and each lead requires three minutes of time, how many years is it going to take you to address all of those leads? Different people see different value in different pieces of data. Then we find that their processes don't match their technology. So let alone what technology they have, everybody's doing something different. They don't have visibility into the sales pipeline or it's very cloudy. So there's a lot of deals that are stale or there's a lot of deals that are never going to make it. Deals that should have closed that are way past their close date, but nobody knows why. That's a really common problem that we encounter. And then one of the things that is so easy to solve for, but oftentimes is ignored, is that they're not putting their accounts receivable in Salesforce. So the account manager who's managing the customer can't see what the AR is. So they could be the the best customer or the worst customer, right? Who wants to have the customer that never pays their bills? And and oftentimes the customer doesn't pay their bill not because they don't want to pay their bill, although there's there is, you know, there's maybe like 2% bad debt, but the customer doesn't pay their bill because they didn't get the bill. It went somewhere else. And so putting your AR in Salesforce allows you to have a straightforward conversation with the customer. It's like, hey, I see that we've got this invoice that's outstanding. You know, what can I do to help you with that? That's what you say. And they go, oh, yeah, I didn't even know. Or like, oh, our our accountant quit or whatever it was. Super simple ways to collect money. My experience with Salesforce is that for just about any problem, it's kind of the old adage, there's an app for that, right? Mm. It's an app network, an app exchange. It seems a lot of work from your team must go into helping select appropriate add-ons from app exchange and how to integrate them. Would you say that's accurate? So... The app exchange is essentially iTunes for Salesforce. There are thousands of apps on the app exchange that are built specifically on the Salesforce platform, or they are built with a connector to the Salesforce platform. So earlier we talked about HubSpot. HubSpot connects to Salesforce. So you can have HubSpot independent of having Salesforce and use it for all of your marketing needs. So I'd say when you look at the app exchange, there's a lot of different tools you can use. And if you're working with folks who have a series of tools that they use time and time again, they're going to save you a lot of time. They're going to know which is going to be the best tool of many that you could choose. I'm going to bite my tongue for a minute because I want to ask you that information. I want to actually want to, I think, round out the conversation with some of those goodies. But I'm sure by now somebody's asking, well, what should I actually expect to invest? I've heard that it can cost millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to really have a consultant work on my project. And no doubt that's a that's a limiting factor for a number of folks here who are struggling along with their Salesforce. So as a rule of thumb, I would say you're probably going to spend one and a half times your license fees to get a Salesforce implementation. And so if you've got 10 users, you're probably going to spend 15 grand or so, 30 users, obviously significantly more. Now, if you bring in other tools and integrations, it's kind of like as you fill your basket when you walk around the supermarket, right? You know, so you sort of go in, you go, okay, I'm going to make pasta sauce. And you go, oh, well, actually, I really want pancetta. Okay, I don't really want onions. I want shallots. Okay, well, I don't really want shredded cheese. I want, you know, that, that side of Parmesan. If you fill your basket with extras, it's going to take longer. So it's definitely going to cost more. And that's going to have an increase in scope. But typically, you're looking at 1500 to $3,000 per user, depending on whatever is your use case. And you said typically it'll take longer. Actually, that's one of the questions that I really want to dig in on. What's a typical time investment 
that someone should expect? So I'll be transparent about kind of our average deal, right? So our average deal is about 12 to 16 weeks and usually land somewhere around 90,000. But that's in an existing org with complicated integrations and complex setups. And they've already got, you know, maybe a hundred or more or more users. Your Salesforce project is probably going to take eight to 16 weeks, depending on what you're working on. As I said before, we're always waiting on the customer. So there's a lot of lag time. You have to be able to build that lag time in, you know, so the customer isn't always ready and that's okay. And that's normal. They, they shouldn't have to be ready. Salesforce is not their job. Salesforce is your job. So you've been invited in, you've taken a look under the hood, you've done the quoting, uh, maybe even you've gotten engaged. What for you as a person on the implementation side is a red flag that a project is being scoped wrong now and expectations may be out of alignment? I think expectations are out of alignment if as a consultant, you don't have the opportunity to follow your methodology and your process and bring your customer on board with that, right? So if you haven't had a chance to communicate with the customer about what does success look like once you start being engaged in a project, that's a red flag. If the customers consistently don't come to discovery calls, that's a red flag that you can't build them what they want or what they need if they aren't participating. So so they should be prepared to put about four hours a week into the project, which four out of 40 is not too bad. And then if we're looking at when a customer's come to us, when they have another partner working and they're saying, you know, we're being charged 10 grand a week or 20 grand a week on a project, I always think that sounds a bit steep. That's an awful lot of Salesforce. It's hard for customers to consume that much, no matter what size the customer is, right? The customer, um, I mean, we work with massive energy companies. There's still the humans you're working with can't consume a $20,000 a week tab from the consultants. It's really hard, right? I mean, it's just, and, and it, honestly, it's really hard to spend that kind of money if you're the consultant. Yeah, that, that's, that's rough. Well, I'd love to wrap the conversation with a, a warm blanket around the user that feels they've got a good handle on it, but they'd like to tap into your decade plus MVP deep internal knowledge. What are the favorite tools in your app exchange arsenal? Would you be willing to share three to five of them? Just quick tips and quips on why they're your favorites? Sure. So my favorite tool, hands down, has been for many years, DocuSign. Can be a little bit tricky to set up if you don't know how to use it. But once it's done, it will save you so much time. You can automate all of those standard contracts, your MSA, your NDA, sending out your quotes and such like. DocuSign will solve that problem for you. And then there's some kind of under the hood tools that we use. One of them is Elements Cloud. It examines your metadata and it tells you if you're going to break something. So it de-risks what you're working on on your project. There's another tool that we um, just love, which is called Capado. And we use Capado for release cycle management. We bring it to every project. It makes our life easier. And that also reduces risk and reduces cost on the, on the customer side. Thinking about kind of the unsung hero of the app exchange, I'd have to say that Taskray or CloudCoach, they're both great. They've got um, similar functionalities. I absolutely love Taskray. It's um, awesome for project management, customer onboarding, Anything you have where you have a checklist, you can use it to templatize that process and you can have many users and your customers can have visibility into where they are in that process. It saves so much time. CloudCoach is similar to Taskray and they also have a free version for up to 10 users. So CloudCoach, Taskray, DocuSign, Elements and Capado. That's every project we bring those tools. Geraldine, for me, this was an amazing overview and even deep dive into some real ninja tactics on how to identify your weaknesses and strengths, how to identify a good partner, 
how to use tools the right way and how to know when to stop digging and go get help. Is there perhaps an online resource or two that you'd recommend for the autodidact in the crowd? Yep. So you can go to Trailhead. It is Salesforce training online. It may not be specific to your environment, but it has many, many use cases and um, a really well-built out education setup. Mm-hmm. So it's a learning management sales uh, system all around Salesforce by Salesforce. If you're a bit of a nerd, I really loved reading some of the Salesforce developer blogs and you can learn a lot. They're not always so technical. There's the Salesforce community. So that'd be your user groups. I know that these days we're all working remotely and people are meeting remotely, but um, the community is great and it's a great resource. And then there's um, a series of videos called SFDC 99 written by one guy who got his start as a Salesforce programmer and he's sharing the love of how to do Salesforce. And he also offers a lot of really interesting, engaging career advice beyond how to fix stuff in Salesforce. I am sure as engaging as I find you, others are going to want to know how can they engage with you, Geraldine? On the usual streams. So you can find us on LinkedIn, Geraldine Gray or Endium um, and Twitter. I do a Twitter chat with the App Exchange every month. Um, That's always pretty fun. Endium is E-N-D-I-E-M for those who maybe just clicked through and, and haven't looked at the show notes. Of course, we will list all of the fantastic things that Geraldine discussed here in the show notes. Geraldine, would you be so kind as to maybe offer up a, uh, you know, it's like a Salesforce tune up for folks in our, in the solar industry? I know you guys are looking at how you can uh, find more Sonovas and NGs. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to um, come to Suncast or come to Endium, they can uh, find a form where they can be in touch with us and we can set up a time to chat about their solar processes and we can do a, absolutely do a solar assessment on their org. Um, kind of come up with three to five recommendations of things that we see that either smell bad or are about to go off in their Salesforce fridge. Fantastic. Well, if that's you and you would like your own custom Salesforce solar sales process assessment by a Salesforce MVP, you can check out endium, E-N-D-I-E-M.com forward slash suncast and Geraldine's team will take care of you. Geraldine, it's truly a pleasure every time I get to chat with someone as good looking and humorous and witty as you are. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nico. I hope that today's session has been really interesting and engaging. And I hope that we've been able to pull back the curtain on some of these Salesforce secrets that people sometimes struggle with. All right, Solar Warrior, that is a wrap on this, what is a longer tactical episode than normal. I'm sure you are dripping with information and you're going to want to go implement it if you are a Salesforce nerd or if you're an operations or salesperson trying to build your team and your company. If you're eager to keep learning, then you, my fellow Philomath, can go find the resources and highlights from this and every single discussion we've ever had on Suncast and all the social media links and the book links and the resources and videos that we just talked about with Geraldine and so much more on the blog at mysuncast.com. I think we have a link now that says show notes. So go check out the show notes. And while you're there, please take some time to give us your feedback in our listener survey. We really do read them and look over them to know how we can make this better for you. It's a new year. And I always want to invest in you, the listener. I'm so grateful that you have tuned in. Speaking of tuning in, 
I do hope that you'll tune in to the next episode of Suncast. Are you subscribed so that you will get notified? We have some amazing episodes coming down the pipe. But for now, I'm going to let you back to whatever activity you were doing, and I'll go on my merry way. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.